On today's show, we are reviewing AEW Worlds and the final pay-per-view of the calendar year. And we're going to take a look to the first show of the calendar year from WWE, Monday Night Raw, day one. This is the WrestleMania QK show. Stay tuned. What's up, people? It's your boy, Mex, the WrestleManiac, if you will. And welcome back to another episode of the WrestleManiac UK show. And before we go any further, Happy New Year. Happy, happy New Year to you all. I hope you all had a brilliant Christmas or a brilliant holiday if you don't celebrate Christmas. And yeah, you've, um, you know, thought about the new year. You've kind of given thanks and meditated on everything that happened in 2023. And, you know... You got the plans ready to go for 2024. I hope that you have a very um, prosperous 2024 and everything that you want to come true and happen. You know, you've got a plan for um, and yeah, it, you accomplish it. 2024 is going to be another really, really good year. I can feel it at the tip of my fingers. So, yeah, I'm hoping that, you know, you guys have the same. But um, before we got into 2024, it was AEW World's End. A very interesting pay-per-view. People had like a lot of fatigue coming into this pay-per-view. People didn't really have a lot of things good to say about this pay-per-view and the build-up and I guess the bigger angle on the show, which was everything around MJF, Samoa Joe, the devil, this, that, and the other. <laughs> we're, go we're gonna get into it. We're gonna get into it. It was really, really interesting the way it played out. I think they learned a lot, a lot of uh, lessons from AEW full gear and how that main event played out. That was MJF defending the title against Switchblade Jay White. They learned a lot of lessons. I could see it with everything they'd done in the main event of um, World's End. But um, yeah, we're going to talk about it. The devil was revealed. Yeah, <laughs> the devil was revealed. And we're going to talk about, um, you know, who was in and involved and the choices they made around the devil as well. So, yeah, we're going to get into it. We won't waste any time. You guys know what to do. If you are watching on YouTube, hit the like button. If you're new on YouTube, hit the subscribe button. If you are listening on your podcast platform of choice, leave a review, leave a rating, share the podcast as well. Let people know about the WrestleManiac UK show. And, yeah, let's talk about it. AEW World's End. So we'll run through most of the things that happened. I'm not going to lie to you. This pay-per-view was pretty underwhelming as a pay-per-view you know i hear a lot of stuff about aew pay-per-view streaks and how great they are and this that, and the other the streak is over the streak ended with world's end there was some really good stuff on world's end don't get me wrong but the streak as a whole of these you know knocking it out the park with pay-per-views it ended at world's end fitting right um, so yeah, we'll talk about some of the stuff and we'll fly through some other bits. We'll start with the 20 man battle Royal. Um, this was on the pre-show zero hour. So this was for a shot, a future shot at a TNT title. Um, no one was named before we got into the match. We didn't know who was going to be in this match, but it was your typical lower mid card lower mid-card tag teams, mid-card um, names. There wasn't really anyone from an upper-card perspective 
I would say that was was in this match at all. Um, formerly known Luchasaurus Kill Switch won the Battle Royal, which you know immediately we knew would probably play into um, whoever was going to walk out as TNT champion bet between Christian Cage and Adam Copeland. So that was something to pay attention to. I mean, we found out pretty much on the night how this was going to work out. Um, didn't expect it to be that quick. But yeah, Killswitch won the Battle Royal um, and he was given a contract akin to the money in the bank situation from WWE where he could basically use whenever he wanted to get a title shot for that TNT title. We also had another match on the card. This was like the ladies of, of Long Island, the battle of the Long Island ladies, Chris Statlander versus Willow Nightingale. Now there is like a deeper story taking place where on, on Ring of Honor TV, for those, I don't know if you guys will watch Ring of Honor. Um, I don't. I tap in here and there. Um, I think Stokely Hathaway is trying to push a wedge between the two friends, Chris Statlander and Willow Nightingale. So he kind of orchestrated this match, I think, on Rampage um, a night before that they were going to have this match. Um, nice pop for both ladies, you know, wrestling in their hometowns. Willow got the win here after a pretty stellar, probably about 12-ish minute match. And I, I mean, I remember saying on the Wrestling's live stream, why don't these women get 12 minutes on a regular night on Dynamite or Collision? Like, it's crazy. But yeah, Willow got the win. Um, They were still the friendly embraces between the two ladies afterwards. What I will ask, though, is why is Statlander on this apparent losing streak she's obviously lost her tbs title about a week ago i think it was she lost to sky blue who you know played into everything around her losing the tbs title she was pretty much involved in a story and willow who is also very kind of close with with statlander and within this division has now beaten statlander as well so what's going on with statlander i don't want to jump to conclusion and you know the usual is she leaving the company and blah 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 but like it's very weird i find it very very weird um she's literally went from being a champion to just losing 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 so yeah don't know what they're doing there um and the last match on the pre-show on the zero hour show was hook versus wheeler utah ftw championship was on the line ftw rules match um fun match decent match it was all right there was nothing um spectacular or anything about um i don't think it was quite on the level of a um jungle boy and hook at all in that was a really really good match so um yeah that's maybe the one criticism i would have um but the occasion was different so yeah, that's maybe why it didn't, you know, live up to what it should have been. Um, but yeah, that was the zero hour show. So just to get onto the main card, we had um Brian Danielson, Castignoli, Mark Briscoe, Daniel Garcia, that's one team, versus Brody King, Jay White, Jay Lethal, and Roosh. Yeah. So this was a battle of um, I guess the guys that were didn't progress 
in the in the continental classic eight man tag all star eight man tag they kind of framed it as and um really good match this was a good match this was a good match to open the show chaotic typical kind of indie tag match everyone got their bits in um daniel garcia got the pin um in the end which is is cool daniel garcia he I guess played spoiler right at the end of the Continental Classic, beating Brody King. So um, he got a win there. He's now got a win here on the pay per view. There's something brewing between Danielson and Garcia. Um, I really like it. I really hope it leads to Garcia refinding himself as a professional wrestler and leaving the whole, um, what do you call it, sports entertainment thing behind which his 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 so i call him his mentor his 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 friend daddy magic is trying to kind of whip him out of anyway and i love the investment that daddy magic has on daniel garcia's career and wanting to be serious and wanting to achieve you know what daniel garcia should be achieving um so yeah danielson and garcia there's something brewing there but yeah we'll see if that kind of um you know comes of anything but at the same time let's call it what it is this match didn't need to be on pay-per-view this was a needless match put on to you know give us the usual four hour card of aew pay-per-view this didn't need to be here at all maybe a nice little way to reward um those men that you know fought consistently week after week in the continental classic which i understand because that tournament was very good, but we could have went without this. <laughs> we could have went without this. I guess the consolation, it was, you know, like I say, one of the better matches on the night. Talking about another match that probably didn't need to be on pay-per-view, didn't warrant yet anyway being on pay-per-view, was Miro versus Andrade El Idolo. Now, just earlier in the day, probably a matter of hours, before AEW Worlds and at least the pre-show began, news broke that this was more than likely Andrade's last match in AEW, that his contract was up imminently, and he could turn up in WWE as early as the 1st of January 2023 at Monday Night Raw, day one. So for me, I'm just like, Okay, I'll, I'll talk about these two things in tandem because they kind of go hand in hand. They've treated Andrade very well on his way out, if this is the case. And it is the case, by the way, because following the AEW World's End pay-per-view, Tony Khan confirmed that Andrade is leaving his contract. He won't be resigning. They he, He's leaving on good terms. Everything is okay. Um, he just wants to leave or whatever the case is. Um, and he confirmed that, yes, Andrade is going and so they've treated him very, very well on his way out. They've put him in into this Continental Classic tournament. They've given him a pretty good showing, if we're honest. They've given him a really good showing. And that could have all been maybe to kind of help convince him to stay. Who knows? But I guess his mind is made up. Obviously, his, his wife works over there and he was treated pretty well by Triple H down in NXT. Um, so maybe he's looking for that same kind of fortune upon a return to WWE. But yeah, I, I don't think we are traditionally used to seeing someone treated so well on their way 
out of a company. So um, for him to even be on pay-per-view, like I was saying, um, I don't think, you know, Miro said early on that I'm not going to touch Andrade because he is my wife's client, CJ Perry. Um, but once he is out of the tournament, me and him are scrapping. <laughs> Miro said that early on. And for this match with basically no heat between the two to kind of just end up on pay-per-view and being Andrade's first AEW singles match on pay-per-view, as well as obviously at least of this current run, his last, I just, I just feel it's all, it's all very weird. We're just not used to this. They've, they've really, um, I guess, looked after Andrade. They've sent him into WWE somewhat hot because he's at least been appearing on, on TV. Um, yeah. It's a crazy world we're living in, but it's good to see, you know, he's somewhat treated normally, should I say, if not at least good, treated normally because I, the whole burying someone on their way out, I don't know what it ever did for anyone. Like, I, I don't know. But um, yeah, Mirror versus Andrade, I don't think he needed to be on pay-per-view. There wasn't enough heat behind this, this story just yet. Um, but, you know, they put it on pay-per-view. It was good to see CJ Perry back. She's obviously been fighting an infection. Um, she must be fine for her to be released from hospital and accompany Andrade to the ring. But it was fairly obvious with all the news around Andrade and everything as well. She was going to be his demise. And she was. She tripped him up um, towards the end of the match. Um, and that led to Miro putting him into um his i can't remember what he calls game over the camel clutch kind of move um and miro gets the win here one thing i will say miro needs to get into gear miro now has his wife by his side the act of miro and cj perry is complete um I think we need to be done with the stories of Miro rejecting creative pitches and doesn't want to work with this person, doesn't want a job to this person, because that's been a thing in recent times. Miro doesn't want to join this class of WWE failures in AEW. Because as great as his TNT title run was, guys, let's be honest. That was, at this point, what, 18 months ago? Maybe two years ago-ish now? We can't be hanging on to a mid-card title run for Miro, where he, again, as much as, as, as entertaining, as powerful, as, as great as it was, he defended the title, what, eight times or so? And then lost it, and then that was it? After... Again, debuting with another character, which in my opinion was trash. Like, Miro needs to buck up his ideas. Yeah, Miro needs to buck up his ideas. And it's it's time to go. It is, it is go time for him. Like, if this next stretch doesn't work, he's going to be, I guess, on the chopping block as well. And saying that with Andrade... I'm definitely not in the brigade of, you know, saying AEW failed to book Andrade well, this, that, and the other, blah, blah, blah. It takes two to tango. I think AEW definitely played a part, but I think Andrade played a part. Yes, there was injuries as well, which you can say is like a third factor in all of this. But I think Andrade 
somewhat phoned it in. I just don't feel like he really put his his best foot forward. Um, I remember he had a match with Kenny Omega pretty early on into his run, and the match didn't move me. And I was thinking, Omega is one of the greatest wrestlers alive today. Andrade is potentially in the bracket below Omega in terms of ability. Let's call it a buck. He is. And it didn't move me. So Andrade needs to pull his finger out. And if Andrade does think he can walk into WWE and, and Triple H is going to make him champion, there's a cue. I'm sorry, there's a cue there. So I don't think that that's going to be, you know, passages new and things will come easy to you because the Triple H is in charge. So, yeah. Miro and Andrade, although it's new beginnings for one of them, it looks like I think they need to kind of really, really reconsider how they're going to approach this next year, this 2024, man. These are two guys that I want to see do very well because they're two top talents, but we ain't seen it in recent times. Let's be real. We haven't. Next match on the card, Tony Storm versus Riho. Um, <clears throat> Tony Storm's character is fantastic. I just feel like she's just nailing it. The character resonates with everything she does, everything she says. And it's, 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 I think it's, I feel it's rare we see a character or someone that knows their character so well and it carries through in everything they do. Tony Storm is smashing it out the park. She had a, she had a really good match here with, with Riho. I keep saying really good. It was a good match. It was a good match. I don't want to kind of overdo it. It was a good match. Um, Tony Storm retained, like I'm pretty sure we all thought she would. Um, yeah, it was it was decent stuff here. But I just Tony Storm as a character is just so strong right now. Um, if we were going to see a Mercedes Monet debut or anything like that, I guess it would have followed this particular match where she can basically you know, head straight for the world title, straight for the, the champion. There was nothing. There was just a Tony Storm ovation and then she left. So, yeah, I guess we're going to have to wait and see to, you know, find out who's next in line for a pop at the champion. Let's talk about Swerve versus Dustin Rhodes. Now, again, before the pay-per-view began, there was a tweet sent out by Keith Lee that, you know, guys, I've been working with injuries since I think he mentioned for some time and he said he was amplified at um, the Ring of Honor pay-per-view. Um, oh, the name escapes me right now. Um, final battle. Ring of Honor final battle, which was like at the top of December. And he's going to try and basically do a thing to get through this match with Swerve. And I just thought, brother, like, come on. I just feel like that. What does that tweet do? Like, does it do anyone a favor? Does it do you a favor? I mean, it kind of excuses you. Like, I might put in a bad performance tonight. Bear with me. What does it do for Swerve? Swerve that we're building. Swerve that is on a trajectory to the world title right now. And you're coming and saying, oh, yeah, I'm not at my best. I'm just going to try a ting or whatever he said. Like, I, I really didn't like that. And I really don't like the fact you're getting yourself into matches 
you lot forced this match, yeah? Yes, as fans, we've been saying that we never got a conclusion to Keith Lee and Swerve, but we didn't need it now. We didn't need it now. And you lot forced this match and forcing the match in a situation where you're not even fit to go. You're not even fit to do it. You can't even give your best. So why do we go down this, this rabbit hole? Now you're causing your boss to come and change the match. Because by the time I'm, I'm watching the pre-show and I'm seeing them obviously flick through the matches on the main card, I didn't even know that I was just thinking, oh, we're going to get a poor Keith Lee versus Swerve. I didn't even know they had, you know, made the decision to take Keith Lee out of it altogether and put Dustin Rhodes in the match. So we got Swerve versus Dustin Rhodes. Um, again, I would say it's a needless match. We didn't need it. We didn't need Keith Lee versus Swerve on this. I guess you want to give keep Swerve on pay-per-view. You want to keep him um, hot. I get that, but we didn't need the match. We definitely didn't need Swerve versus Dustin. And before the match began, there was almost like a jump start where Swerve just banged up Dustin Rhodes outside the ring, stomp with his foot on a cement block, cylinder block, and Dustin Rhodes was being kind of marched out the ring, hobbled up the ramp by referees and um, paramedics and stuff like that. Dustin Rhodes, plucky underdog, chose to come back and wrestle the match. The match should have lasted about two minutes. Swerve has already done severe damage to his leg, his ankle. Why was Dustin Rhodes able to put in any kind of shift against Swerve? Swerve that we've just seen survive a death match. Swerve that we've just seen go through a grueling tournament and nearly come out in a final. Dustin Rhodes with a busted ankle still had something for Swerve. Nah, man. They, they, this lasted far too long. I think it was about eight minutes or so in the end. This should have been a two-minute squash. From the minute he, you know, they'd done the angle before the match and then Dustin chose to wrestle the match. The bell goes from there. Two minutes, tops, squash him. Let's move. Yes, it would have messed with time allocations for other matches and plans for the pay-per-view, but let's be honest. We didn't need this in the first place. No one asked for this. Making this match competitive doesn't make Swerve in his current state look any better. So, yeah, Swerve won. Brilliant. Great. He keep, continues this, this run on pay-per-views he's having. But, yeah, unness. Unness. Um, completely unnecessary. And talking about unnecessary, this was followed by another eight-man tag. The team of Sting, Darby Allen. Chris Jericho and Sammy Guevara battled against Konosuke Takeshita, Powerhouse Hobbs, Big Bill and Starks, the tag team champions. This match was awkward as hell. I'm not going to get into the reasons as to why it was awkward. You all have the internet. I'm sure you all have seen what's been happening within the last 48 hours in regards to Chris Jericho and the accusations that have been being made on social media. But it seemed like it was rubbing off on the match. It seemed like it was rubbing off on the wrestlers. People have captured um, stuff online with like 
Ricky Starks in the ring, um, flipping off Chris Jericho, refusing to wrestle him. Um, Darby Allen, when he was entering, um, shouting F you Jericho from on the on the ramp or whatever the case is. And he and they were on the same team. So I don't know if this is just internet saying internet stuff or if this is really how the wrestlers felt. Um, but the crowd after singing, you know, Judas and entering and w- willing him on with the with the chorus of Judas song, um, the crowd were pretty vocal. F you Chris, F you Jericho, booing him every time he tagged in, things of that nature. Um it was very awkward. And I'm thinking, well, we didn't need to do this match. One, two, let's do this match and get Jericho off TV so that we're not basically ruining shows. And this doesn't now become the focus for the next couple of weeks, months, whatever the case may be. That's what I was thinking. And then Sammy Guevara, you know, after obviously they reunited the sex gods during the week or on, on rampage or whatever, Sammy Guevara pins Ricky Starks, the tag team champion, which basically, you know, wrestling math would mean that he's in line for a title shot at at the tag team champions. So that means Chris Jericho is still going to be around tagging with Sammy Guevara, going up against Ricky Starks and Big Bill. I, I just can't think that that is the best decision to make at this time. Surely that is not the best decision to make at this time. Just take take Jericho out of the limelight. And granted, it doesn't mean that this match is going to happen this week. It doesn't mean that at all. They can still take Jericho out of the limelight and do this match later on. But the fact that they done it, I just thought, I don't know, man. It's it's one of them ones I'm just like AEW one step forward, one step back, or two steps back is the saying, isn't it? Um very, very weird one. But you know, thoughts go out to to Kaylee Ray at the very least, with all of this stuff being brought up again, or you know, her name being um thrown around with this all can't be nice. So thoughts go out to her. Um, we move on. Julia Hart versus Abaddon, TBS title on the line. Pretty standard match. Um, you know, just a lot of spooky stuff. The crowd were chanting at one point, this is spooky, which was pretty funny. Um, Sky Blue, who is obviously aligned with Julia Hart in recent weeks, she provided the distraction, which allowed um, Julia Hart to go up top, hit a moonsault, which didn't connect as smoothly as you like excalibur tried to to save to save them on that um but yeah julia hart retained the tbs championship we move on into probably my match of the night christian cage versus adam copeland tnt title on the line in a no dq match um there was a nice little callbacks in this match like Adam Copeland, he wore the same gear that he wore during his hardcore match with Mick Foley um, back in the day. Um, so nice little, you know, alignment of things there. But literally for the first, I don't know, five-ish minutes of this match, Christian Cage didn't get no offense in at all. Adam Copeland was owning him all over the ring, all over into the fan area and jumped off like a, a, a ledge 
onto Christian and Nick Wayne and stuff. And for the life of me, I was thinking, this is a no DQ match, right? Why is Nick Wayne taking so long to get involved? Nick Wayne should have jumped Adam Copeland from the minute that he was in the ascendancy with Christian Cage. And yeah, you know, got involved from there and made it a handicap match. But um, he didn't for whatever reason. And we saw Nick Wayne, obviously, then eventually get involved in the match and try to do things and cause distractions. We saw Shayna Wayne, um, who came down to the ring with Christian as well, um, you know, do her bits of getting involved here and there as well. Um, I did think that we're going to see Beth Phoenix when Shayna Wayne got involved, um, but it wasn't to be. It wasn't to be on the night. We saw the big spot of this flaming table that, you know, didn't didn't stay alight for long. Um, and eventually they had to relight this table. Um, and that bump, Copeland gets Nick Wayne off the apron in a power bomb. And he wants to obviously do the move quickly so that the, the lighter fluid doesn't run out again and the flame doesn't leave the table again. And he completely, he goes for this power bomb but it's like a jackknife because the way he throws him. And plus Nick Wayne is probably so light, probably weighs like nothing. Nick Wayne like basically misses the table, hits the corner of the table. So the table flips over, but like Nick Wayne like lands on the back of his head and does like a roly poly, like bounces out of the, the power bomb. It was gnarly as hell. Like it was crazy. And, and it's funny because you always see these veterans telling the young guys, oh, don't do anything crazy. Like, you want to have a long career, blah, blah, blah. And here's Copeland throwing, throwing <laughs> Nick Wayne um, onto the corner of like a, a burning table. Totally misses the table. So the table doesn't break. It just tips over. Um, yeah. But other than that, the action in this match was really, really good. Like, it was a really fun match. Um, Christian and... Adam, they obviously know themselves very, very well. Um, and yeah, it really felt like a really good match. And um, we saw Christian go for some shenanigans right at the end. And Adam hit Christian with the kill switch, his own move, and pinned him to become TNT champion. You think it's all over? It wasn't. So as Adam Copeland is celebrating, you saw the figure of kill switch beautifully shot comes up behind adam copeland um starts to take him out i think he laid him out with a choke slam or so um he goes to reach for his contract which he's going to tell the referee like yes i want to cash in my contract now you see christian reappear out of nowhere um christian and kill switch haven't been on tv together for a while i think since he's been renamed so there's like a bit of beef there between the two and christian demands the contract what I liked, the little detail here, it wasn't like Christian just taking the contract and handing it to the referee and saying it's mine or whatever. Christian signed the contract, which I think is such a little thing, but it's like just one of these things that, yes, make it make sense. He signed the contract and handed it to the referee. So they, no one can come back and say like, you know, no, that was Luchasaurus's turn or Killswitch's turn, sorry. Christian signed that contract, gave it to the referee, hit Adam Copeland with a spear, so his own move, and then pinned him. So despite Adam Copeland winning the actual official match on the night, obviously because of the, the cash-in scenario around the TNT Championship, Christian Cage walks out still the TNT Champion, or if you like, the two-time TNT Champion. This is really well done. 
and what I will say off the back of this, leave sports entertainment angles for the guys that are born and bred into sports entertainment, like these guys. Because they've done a lot of quote-unquote hokey stuff and bells and whistles since, you know, Adam Copeland came in. But you know what? Because they are so versed in it, it works. It works. Let's leave it to the guys that really know and know where to draw the line with it and stuff. Um, this was really fun. And like I said, this was um, probably my match of the night. We did get another really good match following this, though. The Kingston versus Moxley match. Eddie Kingston, John Moxley, Continental Classic final. Um, this was a really, really good match. If I have one criticism for this match, I wanted Eddie Kingston to suffer more. I don't feel like the, the hill that John Moxley claimed to be on Dynamite, the hill that Eddie, Ken Eddie Kingston would have to cross to become champion, I don't feel like it was a high enough hill. I don't feel like Eddie Kingston had to climb long enough or struggle long enough or it was that big of a hill to overcome, if you see what I mean. It was a good match. It was a tough match. I just don't feel like it was a struggle enough. And this is where I probably would have pinched time from the Swerve-Dustin match to really kind of go to town with Eddie Kingston trying to overcome uh, Moxley and whatever Moxley's laying in front of him. There was a bump here that Eddie Kingston took doing like a, a suicide dive outside the ring. His head went straight into the barricade. Straight. Very nasty. Very nasty. But apart from that, this match was really good. Lots of slapping, lots of chops, lots of hard hitting. Um, yeah, man. This match done, done really well, done what it needed to do. And Eddie Kingston is your inaugural Continental Classic um, winner. He is the first modern American Triple Crown winner. He has retained his Ring of Honor um, world title. He has retained his New Japan Strong title. He has obtained the brand new Continental Belt. Or is that what they called it? Continental Classic Belt title. Yeah, he's won that. He's got that too. So... Yeah, really good um, picturesque scenes following that. Him celebrating, of course, it's New York as well, um, where he's from. Um, and Mox embraced with, with Eddie as well, which was really nice. And um, we had um, Danielson on commentary putting over both guys throughout the match, to be honest. Um, so, yeah, it was really well done. It was really nice. I'm happy for Eddie Kingston. Um, Continental Classic as a whole, great stuff. Like it, it's it's shown, you know, what the sports the sports um focus that AEW kind of promised from day one did deliver, but then lost their way and looks like now they're trying to bring back, bring it back. Yeah. I don't think we can have like continental classics all year round, but we do definitely need the sports focus because that's what makes the show different that's what makes this show great this is what we all came for in the first place so yeah this was really good and um it's going to be interesting now to see during the year until there's the next continental classic how the management of the belts and stuff is is handled um you know defending his separate titles here there and everywhere whatever the case is so yeah um 
that I guess really wrapped up the Continental Classic. And we were left with the big main event, MJF versus Samoa Joe for the AEW World title. Samoa Joe, regular entrance, all business here. For MJF, there was a vignette of Long Island and how great Long Island is and people that knew MJF and him say, and people saying that he's our scumbag and, you know, really kind of fun, heartfelt stuff. MJF looked very emotional upon entrance. He had a really nice robe that said he, you know, it's the most magical place in the world, Long Island, that he's the king of Long Island and all of this kind of stuff. Um, he looked emotional. I'm always one to look at people's faces when making their entrance um, for championship matches. And I I didn't know whether he looked emotional because he was about to lose or he looked emotional because of the reception in Long Island. But either way, I could tell that, you know, the emotion was getting to him. This match was really good. This match was also really, really good. But I feel right now, because obviously I watched the Grand Slam match in the morning when I had my wits about me and I watched this match at 4.30 a.m. in the morning, um, I feel like the Grand Slam match was probably a bit better. Um, I might need to watch this match back, but I do think this was a good match. Um, Joe, you know, bullying MGF at times throughout the match. MGF obviously fighting with a bad hip with his arm in like a sling, his shoulder all taped up and all of this kind of stuff. It was, he was really fighting from underneath in that respect. We got to the point where I guess we were all expecting referee bump. Bryce Rimsberg goes down. MGF is almost happy. He goes over to Adam Cole, who came out with him in the entrance. So at that point, everyone's thinking, well, Adam Cole may not be the devil because he's with him here, sort of thing. Assuming we're going to get a devil spot somewhere in this match or whatever. Um... Adam Cole did take his time to hand him the dynamite diamond ring, which he wanted to use, which left a bit of an opening for Samoa Joe to get back into this match. And the finish of this match, Samoa Joe put MJF in a Kakina clutch. The referee does the whole deal of, you know, raising his hand three times to see if he can catch himself and stick, keep going. And when MJF doesn't, I love Bryce's reaction here. He he was like, huh? Like, what? The match is done. The, the match is done then. And he calls for the bell to, to go. And yeah, we have got a new world champion. And I predicted this. I said Samoa Joe was going to win. Because this, for me, I, I understand a lot of reasons of why people thought MJF was going to retain here, especially following what happened on Dynamite. But for me, if you guys remember, Samoa Joe ditched his TV title for this. I said, there's no way they're going to make him relinquish a title and he's not going to come back and win. And let's be honest, well, I'm going to talk about Joe in, you know, in, in a second, but I feel like it kind of makes sense that he won, especially with MJF being so legitimately beaten up with his shoulder, his hip, that he was literally crying about following full gear last month. I thought, well, Joe, let's put the title on him. Um, let MGF go and rest a bit and come back later. 
But yeah, Joe abruptly won the world title with a cleaner clutch, which no one was expecting. Um, the fans of Long Island were very upset. They were cussing. I could hear them in the crowd. Um, Adam Cole entered the ring to kind of console MJF and say, you know, look, but listen to the fans. They love you and all this stuff. Don't worry. Next time and all that kind of stuff. We saw the fans' attention start getting diverted because the masked men were walking through the arena. They got into the ring. They separated both Adam Cole and MGF. They were both on their knees looking at each other. They took a chair. Adam Cole was saying, no, hit me. MGF was saying, no, hit me and all of this stuff, um, you know, protecting each other as quote-unquote friends. Lights went out. Lights came back on. And we got this really strong visual. I At first, I was a bit on the fence about, about it, but because it's because of you know a hangover feeling of this whole devil stuff to be honest this reveal was really cool it wasn't a typical like i've got the mask on my head and i'm pulling it off in slow motion and the blah 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 the kind of stuff we've probably already seen adam cole was sitting on this chair that they were going to hit one of them with head down you know hands crossed together looking like a mob boss with his four heavies, his four masked men behind him. And at that point, MJF is still across the ring, kneeling. He's looked, he's seen the situation. He's like, huh? And I will say here, a bit of misdirection on the TV direction. They eventually got to put in on screen the four guys as they revealed themselves. As who everyone really, you know, thought it was anyway. Roderick Strong. Matt Taven, Mike Bennett, and Wardlow were the four masked men, and Adam Cole is the devil. And Adam Cole um, pulled out from his pocket, his inside pocket, the devil mask, and, and hung it up for everyone to see. It was the guys that everyone said it was. And this is good because, you know, sometimes you don't, don't just give us a swerve for the sake of swerving. If they started throwing in people here and there that it didn't need to be or didn't make, make sense for it to be, that would have been pretty annoying. Um, but yeah, it very well done. This The reveal was very well done. Roderick Strong immediately ran up to MJF, hit him with a knee. They attacked MJF somewhat, stood tall over his body. We went off the broadcast with, with this new faction. Don't know what they're going to be called. Don't know a theme music or anything like that. Um, but, you know, MJF's world has ended. MJF lost who he was as a person. You know, that heel, that nasty character. It was Adam Cole. That's like, you don't need to be this guy to people. MJF lost who he was as a, as a as a character. MJF lost his prized possession in the Triple B, the AEW World Title. And MJF lost who he believed to be his best friend, Adam Cole. World's ended. Done. Finito. Finished. So, really good step in the story. The chaos and the rubbish and the nonsense we got through, got, got through to get to this step in the story, <laughs> I don't know if it can be forgiven. I, I don't know. Like, it was painful at times. But we've now got to this next chapter of the story. And deep down, I really believe that this is going to be excellent from here. I really do feel like 
now we've got Adam Cole in a setting where he's comfortable. He's the leader of a faction. We've seen Adam Cole do this his whole career, pretty much. He's going to be very, very comfortable in this setting. These guys know each other, bar maybe their relationship with Wardlow, but I don't think that will um, hamper things. The rest of these guys know each other like the back of their hand. I really think this is going to be really, really good. Now that we've got the devil crap out the way, the masked men crap out the way, I really think this is going to be good. I guess the only issue is it's been announced that MJF isn't going to be on TV um, for now. He's going to take some time to recover, which I guess means that, you know, this faction is going to run roughshod on TV somewhat. And then MJF probably swoops back in at some point as a as a hero. And if all is equal, all is fair, and guys are fit, MJF and Adam Cole, maybe we're looking at revolution, MJF versus Adam Cole. Which would be really good. Yeah, like I say, I'm I'm really, I'm really looking forward to this Adam Cole faction, man. It's um we we've seen this iteration of these guys as well before as well. But um, yeah, I think, I think this is going to be good. I really do think this is going to be good. And yeah, I just, just one last word on Joe as champion, Samoa Joe as champion. I'm very happy for him, man. Um, I remember there's a time in NXT, I think his second-ish run in NXT um, just before the pandemic, or was it during the pandemic? I can't remember. Where I thought Samoa Joe's finished. He's done. He's he's finished. And he came to AEW, and I thought he's a he fits AEW. He's an indie darling, and um, he's going to help kind of you know work on the next generation of wrestlers that's going to be stars for us not knowing that he still had something in the tank left and through his ring of honor tv title run through his AEW TNT title run um he has shown that he is still that guy so i'm very happy for samoa joe you know this late in his career to still become a world champion um i think he will serve as an incredible world champion an incredibly believable world champion um he is at this point one of the biggest world champions they've had physically so that kind of ushers in a new era for i guess the quote-unquote big man if you ever thought that you can't achieve um this this height in AEW because everyone else hasn't looked like this as a world champion um you know this ushers in a, a bit of a new time or that it is possible um I also think he's going to serve as a tremendous transitional champion. I don't think Joe's going to hold the title for long. I think he's going to do what he needs to do, restore a bit of order, um, get some good wins under him. And we've already seen him come face to face with someone we've all mentioned should be AEW world champion. And that's Swerve Strickland. When MJF had that altercation with Nana and Swerve came out and then eventually the uh, mogul embassy came to back swerve and then joe was around the corner and joe came to back mjf we've seen joe and swerve strickland have that face to face so at this point that that is the next match somewhere along the line 
I don't know whether it's revolution. I don't know whether it's um, double or nothing. Any new pay-per-view they want to insert somewhere in between. But I think Swerve is the man to beat Samoa Joe. Um, if not, you know, say an MJF, and then we get around to doing the MJF versus Adam Cole for the title, who knows? But yeah, I, I do think it'll be a transitional champion situation. I don't see Joe holding this title for even six months. I don't I don't see it personally myself. Um but if, if he does the work that he has been doing as champion, I wouldn't be against it. I wouldn't have a problem with it at all. I I put on my predicting sheet that Samoa Joe was gonna become AEW World Champion and he became champion. So I'm here, I'm here for it. I'm here for it. But yeah, guys, that was World's End. Um a very mediocre pay-per-view. A lot of the matches were, you know, glorified dynamite collision main events. Um, there was some good stuff on there. They did overpack this pay-per-view with stuff that wasn't I would say not not necessarily not pay-per-view worthy, but it wasn't yet pay-per-view worthy. Stuff like Miro Andrade, if there was more time or whatever the case is, that could have become pay-per-view worthy. But at the point they put it on a pay-per-view, it wasn't. So, yeah, World's End was a bit of a fart in terms of closing off the year as a pay-per-view. Um but some important things has happened. We've got a new AEW world champion. The devil storyline is over. We know who's behind that as well. Um, so yeah, we can um, crack on, hopefully into this new era of AEW, this more sports-centric era of AEW um, and revolution. This is usually the tough part of AEW planning. It doesn't look like they've put a January pay-per-view with all these pay-per-views they've been putting on recently. It looks like the next pay-per-view is going to be um, early March revolution. So this is the stretch where traditionally year on year, it gets a bit painful to watch AEW just because we're not kind of culminating stories. And sometimes things go on for a bit longer than they need to. Um, but let's see. I hope they've got a plan for it. The last month with the Continental Classic has been great. So I really do hope they've got a plan for, you know, the next kind of, eight weeks ish before we get into the next pay-per-view before we get out of here today let us talk about monday night raw day one they are stacking this show in terms of making us feel like you know making it feel like this is a pay-per-view level show um it, it it looks great i won't run down the card of what they said they're gonna give us on the night there's one particular thing I do want to quickly touch on. Drew McIntyre versus Seth Rollins for the World Heavyweight title. Yeah, that's going to be on this card. Now, it's been a couple of weeks because last week, Monday Night Raw, we got the clip show of everything, you know, best of 2023 or whatever it was. So this was the week before that. We got this fascinating promo by Drew McIntyre. And Drew McIntyre is, is so weird, the position that he is in. He is like the heel that makes good points sort of thing. But at the same time, he's a bit of a whiny heel and he's a bit complaining. It's like, when are you going to take action of your own life and stop blaming everybody? 
You see what I mean? Like, it's the points he's making about the things he's left behind, family he can't see, um, birthdays he's missing, funerals he's missing, or whatever the case is, um, because he's in America, in the US, chasing this dream. And he's right. He, he's right. But it's like, yeah, I mean, you have to make it happen. And like he's saying, I, I need to win the world title to basically say that, you know, all these birthdays and things I'm missing back home, it's not in vain. I'm missing them because I am the world champion over here. And he's reiterated that he's prepared to do anything to win, which is still very interesting with his character. We've obviously seen him months ago reject the opportunity to have the judgment day on side. He didn't show the ruthlessness needed and Seth Rollins beat him in Saudi Arabia. He then later on took up judgment day's um, offer and even then still didn't win in war games. Um, but he's still saying he's prepared to do anything to win. He's not going to feel sorry for Seth Rollins and let Seth Rollins slide out like he basically let him slide out in Crown Jewel, according to Drew. Um, I wonder, will they do a title change here just to maybe crown, you know, first day of the year, title change, newsworthy, all of that kind of stuff. You see what I mean? Like, I wonder if that is on the cards. And I don't know where this, you know, then plays in. Does then Punk and CM, Punk and CM Punk, does um, Rollins and CM Punk then become a WrestleMania match not for the title? Who will Drew McIntyre face if he makes it to Mania as champion? You know, even with Drew McIntyre saying, I'm prepared to do anything to win and this, that, and the other, does he still have an alliance with the Judgment Day? And then there's the, the caveat of Damian Priest and being the money in the bank briefcase holder. That's another way they could look to, you know, make this day one that they're really stacking and making feel important, feel important. It could be Drew versus Rollins and Drew wins on the night and McIntyre is bombarded immediately afterwards and Damian Priest cashes in and becomes world heavyweight champion and that's how we go off the air. It could be Priest just interjects within the actual title match and wins. And that's how we go off the air. The Drew McIntyre character right now is really, really interesting. I, I think he's doing some great work. Um, I slyly think he needs to pay it off. I think that's where we are. You need to pay it off. Um, because if Drew loses again to Rollins, I mean, at that point, I probably have to start thinking he's leaving the company come April and I think his contract is up April 2024 um, this is a really big storyline one they've been telling for some time unless he is screwed out of it via the money in the bank briefcase cash in like I say if he just straight up loses to Rollins here yeah I don't know where Drew McIntyre goes from here to be honest
but it's very very interesting and like i say day one has a lot of good stuff on it which i want to see how it's going to play out nothing more so than this though i think this is the biggie of the whole show that we're getting on the night um and yeah it's going to be very interesting to talk about this and the fallout of this so i'm intrigued i'm intrigued um but yeah guys i better wrap it up so i can get this ready and get it out to you guys um big up everyone for tuning in thank you if you clicked the download button on this on your podcast platform of choice if you're there on the podcast you know what to do hit the review buttons um and let the people know about this if you're listening on youtube like subscribe if you're new to the channel as well and like i said at the top of the show happy new year um i wish you a really good 2024 peaceful good health i love accomplishments and accolades it's all coming your way and stay tuned in to the wrestlemaniac uk show wrestlemaniac uk signing out and i'll see you soon